You are listening to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. For more information about the Pursuit of Manliness or find out about the herd, make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for let us letting us connect across multiple time zones and, and um <laughs> thousands of miles. Uh, but you are, your son, Jesus is the divine thread that brings us all together here. And I thank you for Stephen. I thank you for his father. I thank you for what uh, they're doing here. And, and one of the challenges we face is we don't want to get this wrong. We want to get it right, especially when it comes to our kids. And it's hard at times when you, when you maybe haven't seen it modeled for yourself. And I'm thankful for resources like this. I'm thankful for what these men are doing. Um, I pray for the guys that will listen to this, that will at least consider it. Whether we have kids in our home or not, whether we have children of our own or not, it doesn't matter. We have an opportunity uh, to be uh, these people for this next generation, and if we don't do it, no one else will. And I pray that there will be men who will stand in the gap, who will, who will be men of courage, who will be men who will put themselves out there and be vulnerable and be honest uh, because our kids desperately need it. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, men, at this time, I want to welcome... Stephen Arms to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Stephen, thank you for joining us for today's conversation. Jared, thank you so much for having me. Brother, would you just take a moment, introduce yourself, where you're located, what you do, and we're, we're going to get into this book here, uh, Milestone to Manhood. But first, let's figure out who you are. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Stephen Arms. Um, I was born and raised in California, spent the first 25 years of my life there. And then I met my uh, my beautiful wife to be. Uh, she lived up in Oregon, so I made the leap and moved up here to Portland, Oregon area. Um, don't necessarily love the politics or all the rain, but uh, it's a beautiful state, and there's some some great people here. So um, this is where we live. And my wife and I were married in 2018. And we have two beautiful children. Our daughter is three years old, and we have a son who uh, just turned one. Very cool. Someone has to live. A Christian has to live in Portland or other places, <laughs> right? I'm glad it's you, and you know. But no, um, thank you, man. Uh, you, you, and uh, your your father wrote this book, uh, Milestone to Manhood. Just tell me, tell me what led to the point where you said, you know what, we need to take what we're doing and we need to put that to print. That's a great question. So my family has a tradition called the rite of passage. And essentially what a rite of passage is, is it's a surprise weekend on a boy's 13th birthday that he can look back on and know this was the exact moment that I became a man. Because my dad, my grandfather, all the other adult men in my life told me. And Every boy in our family got a rite of passage on their 13th birthday. So my three brothers got rites of passages. I got a rite of passage. My male uh, cousins got rites of passages. And now that the youngest, my youngest cousin had his rite of passage in 2020, we thought we should share this family tradition with the rest of the world because Anytime we ever told another uh, another man, uh, another family about this tradition, they would say two things. One, they would say, oh, that's so cool. I wish my dad had done something like that for me. And then number two, they would always say, I'm going to do something like that for my son. 
So we knew that this would be a good topic that people would be interested in. And like I said, since our family is kind of done doing these rites of passages, at least for that generation, we felt like this is a perfect opportunity to share it with the rest of the world. Yeah, it sounds like you have 12 years to fine tune the next rite of passage. Exactly. In your, in your family, right. Yeah. Um, so walk me. How long has this been going on? Do you know? Like, was it your dad the first, your grandfather? Is this as long as you guys remember? So the rite of passage tradition started with my older brother. Let's see. Okay. He's 32 now. So it started 19 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the weekend was really the brainchild of my dad and my maternal grandfather. So my dad's father-in-law. And really... You know, my dad didn't have a father figure in his life growing up. Um, his mom was in the house. His sister was in the house. But uh, his parents had separated when my dad was five years old. So my dad didn't really have a, a male role model to look up to. And so when he got married, he wanted to be a really engaged father. You know, he wanted to be the type of dad that he really didn't have. And he knew that the teenage years were going to be tough, right? Like that's just a tough age to raise kids. And he wanted to initiate all of his boys into manhood um, and make it clear to them that manhood has started already at 13 years old. So that as they go through their 13, as they go through their teenage years, they don't feel the need to rebel quite as much, right? I think that that's one of the challenges of the teenage years is that there's that tension between the kid and the parents. The kid is trying to spread his wings and kind of prove himself and gain independence. Um, and so my dad's thinking was, well, if we just tell the boy, I consider you to be a man now, then he won't need to try to rebel or prove himself quite as much. Well, let's, let's, Let's do this. Uh, let's back up for the guys who who aren't familiar with the book. Maybe they, they've heard about Rite of Passage. We, we had this conversation, I feel like, somewhere along the way, multiple times throughout the year, guys are like, well, what do I do? I remember when my daughter turned 12, I think it was 12, at Christmas, we gave her this box, and we went to the Christian bookstore, and I bought every female book on the – and I we – it was overwhelming, right? And then we've tried to be relational with our – you know, and we're still pouring into her, but – Looking back, going that was a that was a bit much. Let's go zero to twelve. How if you don't have a relationship with the person trying to give you a rite of passage, it's it's going to be really painful, right? So, formative years. What are some are there some things zero to twelve that you say this helps establish the father son relationship? So it's more than just he's the patriarch and I'm to submit to him. You know, I would say zero to twelve. Um, you need to be an engaged dad, right? I think the most important thing is that you're just spending quality time with your kids. And what I mean by quality time is, you know, taking them to the park and not being on your phone, answering business calls at the same time too, right? You leave your phone at home or you put it on silent and you leave it in your pocket and you're just fully there with your kids. I think that that's the most important thing that you can do um, up to this weekend, right? This weekend, is a tool in your tool belt, um, in your parenting tool belt, but it's not a cure-all, right? Um, just because you hold a rite of passage weekend for your son, it doesn't give you license to be a disengaged father or an absent father, right? This is one thing. This is the cherry on top. The foundation is 
spending quality time with your kids because that's really what kids want. That's what they remember when they grew up and look back on was how engaged was dad? Did he spend time with me? Did he love me? Did he tell you, did he tell me that he loved me? Those are the things that you need to be doing from zero to 12. So, you know, your kids turn 13, you know, we got one turning 10 in January, my, my son. So I got three, I'm on a three year clock here that, that year, what does that look like in the preparation to, to get that right, to make sure it's an intentional weekend? Obviously, the kid knows something's going to happen, right? If, if they're in your family, it's part of your tradition. For guys that haven't started this, you, they're going to be curious. They might be a little nervous, not unsure. So what, what what's the preparation leading up to this rite of passage? For sure. So actually, I will say that the weekend was always a surprise for the boy. So when I had a rite of passage, even though my older brother had already had his, I didn't know it was coming until the actual weekend. It was always a surprise for the boy. And the thinking behind that was we wanted him to feel like the weekend was all about him, right? We didn't want him to come into the weekend with preconceived notions like, oh, everybody in my family gets something like this. We wanted the boy to feel special and uh, unique in, in the weekend. Leading up to the year before the rite of passage, I would say that step number one is identifying the other men who you want to invite. So this weekend is not just the father and the son, but uh, the father is going to uh, identify other male role models in the boy's life. So for me, it was my grandfather and two of my uncles. And you're going to gather those guys together, explain what a rite of passage is and why you want to hold it. And those guys are going to attend the weekend with you. Uh, and the thinking behind that is, you know, the father is definitely the most important male role model in a boy's life. Absolutely. So it's critical that he goes, he's the most important man that should attend. But there's like I was alluding to earlier, there's also that tension between father and son sometimes. So having other men who the boy he respects, he has a relationship with, but he's not quite as close to as his dad. He doesn't live under the same roof, you know, with these guys. They might say something that his dad has been telling him for the last two years, but just hearing it come out of the mouth of a man who's not his father, he might finally listen to it, right? That's just, sometimes that's just the way we're wired, right? Is that we don't want to take advice from those who are closest to us. So that's the, that's the reasoning uh, behind having not just the father organize this weekend, but bringing in other men to attend as well. You say something, I think on page, uh, where am I at? 62 here, I think it's important because I think as men, we value our opportunity to provide. I, 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 you know, if we go on a vacation, I love that we can afford this or I can buy, we can go out to eat or I can, you know, I'll get the ticket, right? Like I liked it. There's so much more to this. And I think this is the missing gap between men and sons. I, maybe, maybe men and daughters too. I, I, I don't know. I, but we're talking about sons here right now, but you say this, you say, as a man, sometimes you need to know when to listen, sometimes you need to know when to talk, and it takes wisdom to know when each is appropriate. We're like, yeah, we agree on that. Um, that's a part of being an emotional provider. Can you, can you, could you speak to that, man? Because I, that's one I'm not good at. I'm not, I'm not a strong emotional provider, and, and I know that. For sure. Yeah, I think as men, like you were saying, you know, we do like to be that physical provider, and Sometimes we put too much emphasis on that. 
And I'm not saying that it's unimportant. It's totally important to be supporting your family financially, materially, but there's more to life than just the material side of it, right? You need to be an emotional provider for your children and for your wife also. So like I write in the book, that means sometimes you just need to listen, right? Sometimes your wife doesn't want you to come at her with all the answers. She just wants someone to listen to her. You know, she wants to feel heard. And I think the same is true with children, right? Um, it's not just about putting food on the plate and uh, a warm shelter over their head. It's also about spending that quality time with them, telling you, I love you, telling them I'm proud of you, right? As fathers, we need to be emotional providers for our families as well as physical providers. I've learned this. I've been married 21 years now. Say, so am I listening or am I fixing? Because either way, I'm still fixing in my mind. But if she says fixing, then I, it's like sick them. But if she says, I'm just listening, let's get a cup of coffee. All right, go ahead, vent. You know, So it is important to strike the balance. Now, as you talk about this rite of passage, I, I think we've modified manhood about an affinity different ways. I mean, you know, depending on your upbringing, you can be masculine or you can be anti-masculine, whatever. I think this is such a key component. You talk about scripture is required. It has to be Bible-based, right? So could you speak to that? Sure, yeah. Um, one element of the weekend is a scripture-sharing exercise. So before the weekend, every man in attendance will pick out one of his favorite passages from the Bible, and he'll read that passage in front of the group, and then he will share why he picked it and how he applies that passage in his own life. And really that scripture sharing exercise is meant to help to pass down the faith from one generation to the next and really give kind of concrete, uh, applicable examples of how to apply scripture to your own life. A 13 year old boy doesn't really have much life experience at all, but these men in his life have accumulated decades of life experience. So if you can tie in a scripture passage to a to a life event, then that'll help the boy try to understand how he can apply his faith to his life. So for example, my dad, I remember, shared the Beatitudes and how Christ says, Blessed are blessed are you when they persecute you. And he was he shared with me that, you know, at work, he was really feeling um almost shameful to like pray at lunchtime. You know, he felt like he was going to be judged and he's at work in this professional environment and he wasn't sure that it was appropriate or he would get ridiculed for, for praying at work. And ultimately he said, you know, I look, I read that passage and it reminded me, even if I do, even if people do judge me, even if people do give me a hard time, Ultimately, that's a good thing. Christ says that that's going to happen, right? That's part of the Christian journey. So it was stories like that, that as a 13-year-old, because you have no life experience, that helps the boy to try to, to understand, like, this is what the Christian lo life looks like, practically speaking. Kind of bridge that gap between the theoretical and the, like, Christianity on paper and Christianity in practice. Like, what does that look like in a, your real life? I think this is important because it used to be, you know, like my kids would get out of school. I didn't have school. It used to be when I would get out of school, I would go home and I wouldn't see those people till Monday morning. 
you know, that was it. We were done. And when I go home at night, I didn't see again till, you know, eight o'clock the next day. They're, they're connected all the time. Like it never ends. And then we're, Mike, we're bombarded with the YouTube people and all the, I mean, it's just a constant message, a constant narrative. So I think the kids' life experiences prior to 13 are radically different than even you and I. I know I'm, I'm sure I'm older than you, but I know for me growing up and you growing up, it would, it would be drastically different than what it is in 2022. So I think it raises the, the, the sense of urgency that we need to be intentional about this. How do you help these guys start to see this? How do you figure out what men need to be in attendance at this rite of passage? And what do you communicate to those men prior to them being there? So the men that should attend should be uh, godly men, ultimately the, the type of man who you would want your son to be when he grows up. Um, hopefully you have a few guys like that in your life. If you don't go seek them out vigorously, you know, you need those type of men in your own journey to support you and your son needs those type of men to support him. So whether that's, uh, at church and your family, wherever you can find those type of guys, find them and hold on to them. They should be men that your boy has a previous relationship with. They shouldn't be like totally straight, random strangers to your boy, right? They should be someone who uh, he has a relationship with. He knows them. Um, he respects them. And then as far as preparing for the weekend, we've actually on our, our website, we've included um, email templates that a father can send to the men that he's identified and it basically explains the whole weekend word for word what you're going to be engaged in uh so all you have to do is really copy paste it into an email and then send it out to the men that you've identified um you know obviously we want you to read through the email first make sure that you understand what you're going to be engaged in uh what the weekend looks like um but we've really tried to make it as turnkey as possible like I said, my family, we've been organizing these weekends for 19 years. So we've really kind of fine-tuned the process. And we thought, you know, instead of making guys uh, start at square one and reinvent the wheel, we're like, why don't we just share every resource that we have, every email that we've sent about this rite of passage weekend, clean it up and make it into a process, right? It's five emails. The first email you send six months before the weekend. The second email you send four months before the weekend. The third email you send two months before the weekend. And as much as possible, it really lays the weekend out for you. Um, it organizes the weekend for you. You you will still have to do things like uh, find a cabin to stay in. You'll have to you know get, get your groceries, your food, obviously. Uh, book some sort of fun activity for the, the group to participate in. But other than that, other than like the tangibles, the actual organization of the weekend and explaining the process is all laid out in this in these emails on our website. One of the things you talk about on page one twelve of your chapter of your book is why rituals are important. It's important that I think our Creator has has built us to have rhythms in our life in in rituals and and again we've kind of glossed over some of these things for various reasons through the years. Explain to our, our listeners here why this is so important when it comes to the mile markers of, of life and faith for, for a young man. For sure. So rituals are important because they provide meaning and context in our lives. And I'll give two examples. So 
other other rites of passages in our life would be uh, the graduation from school. And when you graduate from school, you have a graduation ceremony. That is a ritual, right? There's an entrance procession. There's uh, unique music. Um, there's unique attire, dress. There's speeches that are given. There's the throwing of the caps. Those are all examples of rituals. Um, another rite of passage that we experience in life or that most many people experience is marriage. And marriage is the end of, you have a wedding ceremony to celebrate the end of your single life and the beginning of your married life. And a, a wedding ceremony has rituals. Again, there's an entrance procession where the groomsmen walk down the aisle, the bridesmaids walk down the aisle. Um, and then finally, the father escorts the bride down the aisle. There's an entrance procession. Um, <clears throat> you know, weddings, depending on your faith background, they can all, the, the ritual wedding ceremony itself can look different, but typically there are uh, rituals within the the wedding ceremony. So rituals are important because they're, they're meaningful moments that we can look back on and remember that was the moment <clears throat> that I, that one chapter of my life finished and a new chapter began, right? That's why we have wedding ceremonies, because when you have a wedding, you look back on it and you're like, you don't question that, like, oh, did I actually get married? You know, um, no, you were there at your wedding ceremony. There were 200 other people there to witness it. That's why a ritual is important, because it provides a clear end and a clear beginning. And again, I think that's important, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer, but we're trying to move away from these rituals in our culture today. Um, you know, as a pastor, you know, you don't have to wear a suit at a wedding. Sometimes you don't have to wear pants, you wear shorts, whatever. I mean, I, I think we've lost the value of the ritual, and I, I don't want to put too much onus on the ritual itself, but I think the purpose behind doing uh, graduations have turned into chaos sometimes. So those are great examples. I think they, they're very fitting. I think one of our tensions in our culture today, 2022 is grownups don't want to grow up and, and that's a hard part. So if I'm, if I'm busy holding on to my youth, then I'm not investing in someone else who actually does have that youth. I told my kid was it the other night we're having an insurance conversation. I said, enjoy being a kid as long as you can, you know, and he doesn't know what that means, but man, just enjoy it. So when you look back, on yours, what are what's a couple things that stand out to you that you say I I will never forget that these things happened. Um, you know, I'll never forget being surprised. I'll never forget how when we were driving up uh, for the weekend. At first, it was just going to be my dad and I, and then we stopped at a diner, and uh, they surprised me by all my grandfather, my two uncles were in the booth next to us, and. You know, I looked at them like, what the heck are you guys doing here? And that's when they told me, you're not you're not actually going camping with your dad. You're going on this rite of passage weekend. Um, and at the end of this weekend, you'll no longer be considered a boy in this family. You'll be considered a man. So I'll never forget being surprised by the weekend. Um, and then I, I would say, I mean, the whole weekend, I remember it very clearly. Absolutely. But the other element of it was probably the end of the weekend where after we engaged in these rituals, these sharing exercises, um, the end of the weekend is the formal bestowing of that title of man. So my grandfather um, 
because he was the patriarch of the family, he basically looked me in the eye and he said, Stephen, I, now that your rite of passage is complete, we see you as a man of this family, just as we are men of this family as well. And you are a part of this tribe of men in this family. So I'll never forget, you know, that for me was the, the clear moment that I became a man and I never questioned it as I grew up, you know, in my teenage years, in my twenties, uh, you know, for a lot of guys, they don't see themselves as men until they get married or until they have their first kid, right? That's when they say, well, that's when I think I became a man. But for me, I can say very clearly that I became a man at the age of 13 when my dad and my grandfather told me. Well, I appreciate you guys writing this book and the resources. You 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 leave no stone unturned as far as allowing guys to see, okay, this is what it could, this is why it needs to happen. This is what it could be. This is kind of how it's it's realized because again, there's a lot of guys who are saying, "Man, I just wish I knew. I wish someone would have showed me." So, before we get into that, what uh, where where do we get connected to you, the book, your website, all that? Sure. So, our website is milestonetomanhood.com, and that's where you can get those email templates. We're not going to ask for your email. We we really wanted to make this as easy as possible. So, it's literally cut and paste um, on the website to get those emails. And then you can buy the book on our website or you can buy it directly on Amazon. Just type in milestone to manhood in the search bar and you can buy the book on Amazon. I don't even mention where to find the book anymore because it's always on Amazon. That's the way, that's yeah. the way to get it, man. Uh, I appreciate that. I got, I got some more questions about guys who either, that didn't get this or what happens if your kid 28 years old and you say, man, I wish I would have done that. But you guys in the herd will continue the conversation over there. Thank you, men, for listening to or watching the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. If you're looking for any of the links mentioned in today's podcast episode, make sure you check out the show notes. You will find them there. If you will, leave a five-star review on iTunes. That just continues to help get the word out about the Pursuit of Manliness podcast. Men, if you are in the herd, we are going to continue our conversation over there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Let's keep pursuing biblical manliness. Thank you.